Hey guys, welcome to Telling the Told and Untold. My name is Tsuho. So today I'll be covering the infamous Ananias Mate case. Um, if you go and search this case, some sources spell his name with one N and other sources spell his name with two Ns. So I just decided to spell it with one N just in case people were like wondering or just a bit confused. So I'll be telling this case in chronological order. So not how the police officers first like came to find out about it and then connected to other cases, just because I thought it would be easier for you guys to understand. So yeah, with that, let's go straight into today's case. So Ananias Maiti was from Mozambique and first came to South Africa in 1999. His first recorded case happened on the 19th of August in the same year when he broke into Diane and Alwyn Hirsch's house and stole their car as well as their music system. So throughout 1999 to 2002, he would break into people's houses. He would have a gun in one hand and a torch in another hand. And he would also poison their dogs just because he was scared that they would wake up their owners, you know, by constantly barking and everything. So he would just get that out of the way. It's also important to note that throughout these three years, he would not rape any of his victims. On the 2nd of December 2003, Ananias broke into Tracy Jacobson Goldbat's house and she was asleep with her son in her bedroom. And she woke up and Ananias was there and told her to keep quiet and that he was going to rape her. He then started to unzip his pants and just before he could take them off, Tracy decided to fight back. So she would just, she just would kick him, like she constantly kicked him and one of these kicks hit the hand that had the gun in it and this is when the first shot went off but Tracy didn't know that she had been hit. After this Ananias took her into the passage and Tracy still decided to fight him off you know she was just fighting for her life and there was a security gate as well as a door so she managed to push Ananias outside and close the security gate quickly and this is when he decided to shout like hey hey you can't do that let me back in and then she just decided to close the door very quickly but before she closed the door he fired a couple of shots inside at first tracy didn't realize that she had been hit and so she looked down and she was covered in blood she had been shot three times in her upper body once in her left breast once in her arm and as well as in her right lung and Unfortunately, they couldn't take out the bullet because it was lodged really close to her spinal cord. So they just decided to keep it in. Fortunately, Tracy was able to fight off Ananias, but other women wouldn't be so lucky. In June 2003, Ananias committed his first rape. It was a 19-year-old woman from Northcliffe. Ten days later, he was arrested in Alberton and police officers found him with sausages that he would use to poison the dogs and they were laced with intesticide. And after this, Ikuruleni police officers decided to take him to the police station, but he was later released and still unknown why they decided to release him and when, but no files were ever charged. Ananias continued his crime spree all throughout 2004 until he was arrested on the 24th of April of the same year. He was in possession of items that had been reported stolen from a house break-in. He was then taken to Pretoria Magistrates Court and was granted bail of 500 Rand, which he paid, but he evaded trial. And it's also important to note that at this time, police officers hadn't linked him to the rape of the woman in Northcliffe, as well as Tracy's attempted rape and all of the 
housebreakings that had happened in Gauteng from 1999 to 2004. After he's released, he returned to Parktown and attacked several residents. In August 2004, he broke into Charles Pringle's house and he was with his wife, Julia. So the incident happened at about half past three in the morning, but Ananias had been there from about half past one to two o'clock. And we know this because the dog started barking around this time and it abruptly stopped because he poisoned them and killed them. So Charles woke up and saw the small guy in his bedroom and started throwing profanities at him, telling him to get out of his house. And Ananias didn't move a muscle. He didn't seem scared or anything. He just lifted his arm and shot Charles in his collarbone. And at this time, he had already had um, the car keys and just got into the car and left. When Charles and Julia went outside, they saw that their two dogs had been poisoned. And they said that there was so much poison in the sausages that Ananias had given the dogs that they didn't even have enough time to chew them. Like you could still, you could still see the sausages in their mouths. From Parktown, he went to Parkhurst, where he raped a 28-year-old woman who had a master's degree from Wits University. A couple of months later, on the 8th of December, he raped a ballet dancer in her Parkhurst cottage. Eight days later, on the 16th of December, he raped a woman in Pretoria in a similar manner. So Heidi Slot was asleep in her bedroom when she heard noises in her office and woke up. Then she saw a light also just flashing around, so she decided to switch on her bedside lamp. And this is when her bedroom door opened and a man was kind of like peeping inside. And she just started shouting at him and telling him to get out. He then just replied with, I'll shoot you, and came into the bedroom. She didn't want to fight him off because she thought they were like, there could be someone else in the house. So she just decided to comply with what he was saying. He told her to sit on the couch that was in the bedroom and then left for a couple of seconds. And when he came back, he had her hair dry where she tied her legs with he then got a cable from the speakers that were in her bedroom and tied her hands above her head after this he left for a couple of seconds and went to the kitchen and when he came back he had a butcher knife he then told her to open her legs and she just replied that i can't open my legs because you tied them and took the knife and then cut the wires off of her legs and this is when she knew that she was going to be raped and just asked him you know just to leave her alone and pleaded for her life and told him that she was of no value to him and he just really didn't care he then decided to start unzipping his pants took the knife and then cut his jeans on one side and then the other side took them off and then started raping her he only stopped when he heard a car outside and then he went outside to go see who it was and saw there was a security car driving on the street. He then went back to Heidi and asked her how he opens the gate and then she told him how and a couple of minutes later she heard the sound of her car. It was at the fourth scene that investigators found out that they had a serial rapist on the loose. So they found a fingerprint on one of the light bulbs and the fingerprint analysis recognized the fingerprint and connected it to other scenes. And that's when police officers knew that they had one person that was committing all these crimes. After investigation, police officers linked the fingerprints to a Mr. Gosa, but it turned out that it was used in a fake passport. On the 31st of January 2005, Ananias Mati was arrested in Kingsington. He was asleep with a woman in one of his hideouts and police officers finally located him after an informant told them that he had returned from Mozambique. 
Ananias was kept at Johannesburg Central Police Station High Security Facility. Three months later, on the 2nd of April 2005, Ananias Mate escaped. So basically, he broke off a pipe from the central heating system. And after this, he was able to get the cell bars open and tied um, his bedding as well as some of his clothes into like a rope and escaped through there. And as he was going down, he managed to stop for a couple of minutes and write if you on the wall. After his escape, Ananias continued his crime spree in other provinces and he would occasionally return to Parktown. The police were constantly searching for him day and night and they also had informants. He was finally arrested in November 2005 when they were able to link him to a rape that happened in Germiston. And during this rape, he forced the boyfriend to watch as he raped his girlfriend. Ananias Mate was kept in Pretoria C-Max prison and on the 6th of April 2006, he tried to escape but he was unsuccessful. On the 18th of November, he escaped and it said that he rubbed Vaseline all over his body and kind of like slid through the burglar bars, the cell bars. And it's important to note that they were 20 centimeters by 60 centimeters, which is like really small. But he was also described as like a very small man. After this, a couple of sources came out and said that he had bribed the wardens of the prison with 80,000 rand. And after the wardens had received their money, they decided to uncuff him and take off the metal things they keep on their legs it's also important to note that during this time c-max prison was extremely understaffed they had five inmate observation towers that basically just faced the prison all across the prison yard and at this time only two of them had officers inside of them and also ananias's catwalk that his cell was on was not observed regularly so they didn't have regular checkups on the inmates so it's like it's just up to you whether you assume that he wrapped Vaseline all over his body and escaped or he paid a bribe police officers then started their search for him again and they located him on three or four occasions but he managed to escape and also around this time they found out that in Mozambique they named him the rat and that's just because it's hard to pin a rat down. After his escape from C-Max prison Ananias Mate was known as South Africa's most wanted criminal and this is when investigators just wanted to find out who is he and not just who's Ananias Mate in South Africa but who he was in Mozambique. So Ananias Mate was born in 1976 there's no exact date and it was said that he was no ordinary criminal he was born in a village in shai shai mozambique i can't pronounce the village name so i'll just put it down below so the investigator decided to go to one of the police stations near the village that ananias was from and you know him and the police officer had a good conversation they spoke for about two to three hours but as soon as the investigator decided to ask about Ananias this police officer just got very hostile and just asked him like who are you who do you think you are you can't you can't come here and this is not South Africa you know just things like that and decided to kick him out and the investigator was able to find out that a lot of police officers in Mozambique had profited financially from Ananias which could also explain why you know the police officers were so hostile and just didn't want to answer any questions 
after this the investigator decided to go to you know his home just to go see his family and see if they wanted to talk and they did and then they found out that Ananias had a mother um, his father had passed on around this time at this time and he had two wives Elizabeth Mashoni and Celeste Mamati he had seven children and two grandchildren and he would also look after his brother's children i couldn't find out if he had more siblings but he does have a brother or he did have a brother when the investigator also got there he found that ananias was building his family a mansion and they were still building it but he could see that it had like six bathrooms and it was just like a very very big house i mean it was a mansion on the 4th of December 2006, Ananias Matis' crime spree would come to an end. Ananias broke into the house of Cameron Michael John and she woke up at around 10 to 6 but he had been there probably any time after 5 and left at quarter past 6. So she woke up and she saw him and he told her to go back to her bedroom and just keep quiet and at this time her daughter had also woken up and he told her to take the daughter to just put their heads down and to keep quiet. He then took their car and left and then she got up and decided to call Netstar. So Netstar is basically just a car tracking company so obviously this was during peak hour it was peak hour traffic in Joburg so the Netstar company decided to have a helicopter as well and they also had men on the ground it was two men in a van so they decided to start chasing Ananias and they eventually found him and after this he decided to get off the road and just get out of the car and start running on foot in an informal settlement so these two men that were in the car chasing him also stopped the car and got out and started chasing him and when Ananias saw that they were nearing him he had a black bag on him and just decided to like throw it on the floor on the ground and then he he just continued running and running and he was wearing a bright orange shirt as well and because of the helicopter he thought that okay they're going to see this top and decided to take it off and that's when the helicopter just lost track of him so when the two men that were on the ground got to like a certain area they told the helicopter like hey we can't see him where is he and they said no um we saw him get into a house um, around this area so he should be somewhere there so these two men decided to go into the house and there were two little girls and then they told them that hey no we police officers and then they decided to call their father and their father came out and they said hey a man ran in here and then they searched the house but they couldn't find him so they decided to leave and literally as they just walked out of the house the father shouted here he is here he is and they went back and they arrested Ananias Matt so now that the two men had Ananias they decided to walk back to to their car but first they decided to search him so the orange shirt that he had had on he wrapped it around his left arm so right like around his wrist here and then they found nothing on him so they just decided to continue walking so one man was walking in front the other man behind and Ananias was in the middle of them and suddenly he decided just turn around and then stabbed one of the men under his right eye and then he said that he just remembers like there was just blood everywhere he couldn't see that well through his one eye but he managed to take out a gun and then he shot Ananias once and he just continued running shot him a second time he continued running and the third shot is when he finally collapsed when they got to him they realized that he had hidden a knife in the shirt 
obviously Ananias had been shot three times so they wanted to take him to Tembisa hospital but they received an anonymous tip that there were people around the hospital you know like with guns just waiting to ambush them and get Ananias away from them so I think that just goes to show you like just how many people knew him or how many people like needed him or were just willing to help him escape in january 2007 ananias's trial began and it was extremely hard just like trying to look after him he was constantly surrounded by police officers when they would transport him they had built him his own special cell in hopes that he wouldn't escape again and throughout this trial he was described as like a very small man some said he just looked pathetic and they couldn't believe that he was the man that had like robbed them or sexually violated them it also came out in trial that he had had military training, but that is still highly disputed today. And also after his court case, people said that he was a very well-spoken man. He was well-spoken. He was also soft-spoken and he was very charming. So charming that if you guys just sat across from him, he would convince you that he didn't commit any of these crimes and he's not the man that people think he is. And if it wasn't for the evidence they had against him, then people would probably believe him. It's also said that he was a very intelligent man, more than the average person. Ananias Matsu received a 54-year sentence for 64 charges, including murder, housebreaking, rape, and robbery. So Ananias's crimes were as follows. He broke into 19 homes. He committed crimes in three provinces, Gauteng, Northwest, and Limbobo. He stole 24 cell phones. He poisoned 13 dogs. He raped seven women, three of whom immigrated after being attacked. He shot three people after breaking into their homes two police officers died while investigating his case and there were 150 people who testified against him during court and there were two witnesses who were supposed to testify against him but disappeared before they could Ananias Mata died on the 27th of December 2016 at just the age of 40. He died at King Edward Hospital after having been sick for about a month, but some people still believe he's alive today.